When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We continue our countdown of our best 11 interviews of 2023 with an episode with SUNY Cortland head coach Kurt Fitzpatrick. Cortland just defeated defending D3 national champion North Central in a thriller in the Stag Bowl 38-37 to win their first national championship. Coach Fitzpatrick joined us at the New York State High School Football Coaches Association Clinic at the Turning Stone Casino in February. We discussed the process of evolving an offense each year to be able to attack opponents and best utilize your own personnel. As you sit down and plan what your offense will look like in the next year, this is a good one to revisit. Congratulations to Coach Fitzpatrick and the Red Dragons on their 2023 National Championship. Here's our number nine episode of 2023. Enjoy. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser.
We're at the New York State High School Football Coaches Association clinic, and a guy I sat down with last time, I believe he was at Morrisville. That's right. Briefly, and I had to you know, immediately change that before we aired the podcast. He is now the head coach at Cortland State University, Kirk Fitzpatrick. Kirk, it's great to have you back here. Thanks, thanks for having me back. Yeah, the last time we spoke, I was the head coach at SUNY Morrisville, and Three days later, was fortunate to be named head coach at Cortland. So, uh, thanks to your flexibility getting that worked out last <laughs> Absolutely. time. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. We'll link that podcast in our show notes, and you know, we we really dug into a lot of your influences and, and things you believe in as a coach. Today, we're going to focus on something specific, something that relates to your topic here, which was about your vertical passing game. But more so than that, kind of the process that you use yeah. to get to certain things and the way you add things to your offense and you know before we got going you and I talked about like a a lot of that just starts with philosophy of who you want to be it's not going out we get great things at these clinics but it's not going out and grab bagging all these ideas and trying to fit them in it's figuring out first who are we and and what do we need to move this offense forward yeah yeah I think it's as a as a a coordinator or you know a, a staff every year you're trying to trying to build your group and build off of last year and try to figure out what type of offense that you're going to be. you got to have a vision, I think, for what fits. There's a lot of great scheme out there, as everybody knows. But I think finding things that fit our philosophy, that fit how we want to attack, that fit our players is very important. And for us, the vertical passing game, four verts, three verticals, fit us. It's what we want to major in. It's what we like to do for a lot of different reasons. It's multiple. It stresses the defense horizontally and vertically. Those are all things that we think are important, and because of that, that's why we run four verts. That's why it's the first play we install every yeah. time we go through install and why we invest so much time in it is because we believe in it. And in football, if there's something that you believe in as a coach and you can get your players to believe in it, you can have success with that. And There's a lot of different things like that, like we just kind of talked about before we came on. It's like running the option. You don't right. just run the option here and there. If you're going to run the option, you've got to be an option team. I think every offense has to find their flavor and major in it and be themselves to have success. Yeah, I think that's one thing you can learn from looking at the niche offenses, whether that's teams that identify as wing T or option or air raid. And there's something to be said about that. They identify in that because they're not dabbling in it. As you said, they major in it. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what we believe in. This is what we do. And for them, they'll fully commit to it. And being a multiple offense, sometimes that's the danger is what do you major in and Mm -hmm. how does it fit? And when you get the new idea, where does that fit in? So it all does start with with philosophy and and looking at that. What parts of your philosophy help you define, like, yes, this fits or no, it doesn't? And, and how much you're going to invest in something. Sure, yeah. Well, I think when we t- talk about being multiple, we define that as having the ability to win a game more than one way. So multiple, we want to be able to, if we're playing a team that wants to play split safety defense and the safeties are out of the run fit, we want to be able to run the ball successfully with whatever scheme we like. We're, we're a zone team in the running game. You know, if we're facing a team that's playing with one high safety and the, and the numbers in the box – you know, we're, we're minus one in the box. The defense is plus one in the box. You know, we want to be able to throw the ball. And we do that. So multiple, I think, for us is we can run it or throw it to win if we need to. But within the running game and the passing game, having an identity that our, that our kids believe in. But obviously, it's got to be – got to be fully committed to 
to drilling it and teaching it and researching it and finding ways that we can coach it the best yeah. way to, to help us be successful. Yeah, the, the research process, I think, is, is so important. And when you're looking at something, what's the approach you take? Again, you could be at a place like this, see an idea and say, wow, you know, be blown away at, by it, really, because... I mean, let's face it, you know, we're not putting on the plays that don't work. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? You're going to see the best of the best of what you had. So I know, especially when I was a young coach, it would dazzle you in these clinics like, wow, I got to go do that. Yeah. But what's your process for really figuring out more about that and with any concept? And, you know, I mentioned, you know, forwards was something we wanted to install after the 2009 season mm -hmm. at BW. And so... Our research went in multiple directions, wasn't just one place. But for you, what? How do how do you approach that? Yeah, I think f finding different resources, not just one coach or one school. These days, with all the the things that are out there, that you know the uh, the stuff that that you're doing with podcasting, and there's there's so much re so many resources available. Years ago, it was just you had to go visit someplace and sit sit in person, and that's certainly one way that we do it. But there's also so much out there. I think trying to gather as much information as you can because there's many different ways to coach one play, finding a way that, that fits fits us the best. But anytime we want to add something new, I think sitting down and thinking about does it make us better? How does it fit what we want to do? Yeah. yeah there's a lot of great plays, sure. schemes, but if we're going to add something, it's got to be able to fit our identity. And if we decide, okay, this I believe this does help us. I think it does fit our identity, our personnel. So who does it the best? Let's try and learn how they coach it and they teach it. And then we try to take all that information and mold it into a way that, that we think fits us. And then over time, you learn, you know, you, you screw some things up. You Year after year, you figure out how to do it a little bit better. And, yeah. Um, it continues to evolve. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in, in looking at again processes and, and how do you get to certain things I know we always did it wasn't always just say hey I think I want to do this there was something in our you know breakdown of that previous season that showed us some weaknesses sometimes it showed us strengths sometimes it showed us opponent strengths that mm -hmm. we needed to figure out a, a better way for so it wasn't ever really based on whim of I like this let's go yeah. do this the thought started with we have an issue I do believe this is a solution to it sometimes those don't pan out and you don't go down that rabbit hole but sometimes you say yeah I think I'm on to something so you know in, in doing that and looking at you know the past season breaking things down what's the approach to really figure out the evolution because I think you're always looking at how do we evolve yeah. this sometimes it's like you said Maybe I learn another way to teach this technique yep. or learn another coaching point. But for you, how do you guys approach that? I mean, looking at it, I, I try to zoom out after the season offensively and even as the head coach with our football team as a whole, but offense specifically, try to zoom out. And obviously coaches, we, we have a very biased look at our, own, at our own team and try to pull back and, and look at it from an opponent's point of view. Look at the raw data for a play have certain metrics for efficiency that, that we think a play is efficient or not success rate there's all all the analytics and all mm -hmm. that stuff that you know some of that stuff goes over my goes over my <laughs> head a little bit but trying to evaluate which parts of our offense will work the best what are aren't we doing you know here's our philosophy here's how we want to attack but you know maybe we're, we're lacking in certain areas or 
you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, with a passing play like four verts, you know, we, we look at yards per attempt is a, is a stat that, that I have always used and like. Scramble rate, sack rate, like different things and for each part of our passing game, for example, to try to see what, you know, where are we taking the most negative plays? Where are we at the, the most at risk? On the flip side, where are we making our most explosive plays? Where, which concepts are our most efficient? Yeah. And then trying to either the parts of our offense that weren't as effective, do we need to carve those out and spend more time on the things that are good, that, that we are good at? Or can we invest more time or coach it a different way or research it better, the things that we aren't so good at, and try to try to make those, those more effective? Yeah, I, I I agree. You know, looking at those things is a big help. And I think, and I heard this in a podcast that shared a, a clinic talk, part of a clinic talk from Nick Sheridan, who's tight ends coach now at Washington, where he was talking about really looking at who are the teams on your schedule, uh, who are the best, and you really need to build to beat. Because there's, I don't care what level you're at, this is true across now. May be more disparity sometimes at the high school level, and more schools that you could probably line up and beat with anything. But ultimately, though, there's those two or three that either, even if you've been beating, they're they're playing you pretty tight, or maybe you haven't beat. That what is it that's going to help me beat these guys? And usually, if you can build for that, the, you're building for all the rest. You're building of it for too. all yeah. the rest. So that play that maybe is really successful against those other teams, you know, mate, if it's not working against them, you got to – the numbers skew, right? So yep. sometimes you got to look at things, you know, drill down more yeah, than, well, this, this is efficient yep. you know, 55% across the season. But when you get to those two or three, maybe it was yeah. 25. Yep. So you still have to look at those too. Totally. Yeah, t- totally agree. And, and, and that is that is something that, you know, we look at, like you said, the best teams on our schedule – I, I, I think, you know, some of the teams, you know, we, we played the Cortica Jug game against against Ithaca College. Great rivalry, great team. That would be an example for us at Cortland at, you know, trying to figure out how we can be successful against them and, and, and that that would carry over for every, for everything else. But I, I going back to it, you know, what we try to avoid is getting out of who we are. Yeah, identities. Yeah, because it's easy in, in, in to go down the rabbit hole and trying to chase success when you know, finding new things isn't, isn't always the right answer. A lot of times it's figuring out how to coach what you already have and coach it a little bit better and make, make the players better at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com slash demo and mention Coaching Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. It goes back to the philosophy. I've always felt like 
Again, to me, it's always a process. You always go to, gotta sometimes go back to the beginning of things, which starts with the philosophy and who we are, what we want to be, and seeing how it fits there. Like if I said, as an example, we're going to be a downhill run team, and that's in our philosophy of who we want to be. And I find myself with all the stuff that goes more horizontal. Yeah. Like, okay, why? Why are we here? Is this still who we are? If it's not, then what is our identity? Like that identity part is really important. It, it kind of grounds like everything that you're going to do, right? Yep. And so you, you go back to that. And I think a lot of times it's like if you straight away from it, that rather than I'm going to change my identity is like, this is what we believe, and yes, we still have the personnel to do this, then how do you get back to that? How do you get better at it? Yeah, yeah. And it, there's always different answers on how to you know, find success within your, within your belief system, but going back to what we believe in trying to stress the defense horizontally, and if we have the speed vertically, and that, you know, I talked about four verts, but that could be anything in the, in the RPO world, attach, attachments to the running game, throwing bubble screens, key screens, RPOs, inside zone, RPO to the side, you know, outcuts, whatever it is, right? Find ways to do to do what you believe in. I think we've done we've done a pretty good job of that, but we're always at clinics like this to try to try to learn learn new ways from other people to, yeah. to help make us a little better. Yeah, I think then once you establish that hang your hat on play, right, that base play or whatever is going to be a, a big portion of your offense. And then it's it's starting to figure out the complements around it, right? Like this is what we're going to build on, but what really fits well with this and why, right? Like for us, when we went to four verts, and we, we were rarely, unless maybe we would tag it with some, some play action, we were doing a lot of switch verts because mm -hmm. of – the receivers we had that there weren't a lot of our guys who were going to run on flat out speed sure. not that that's always you know you're not throwing a ball really over 22 and four verts but still you had guys who were going to get to those areas quick if you were running it straight so we found ourselves doing a lot of switch releases mm -hmm. which changed the timing helped the timing a little bit open windows in different places yep. that was an important part to us so there was a lot of the switch releases and then as we looked at it so guys thinking they could just hang back and play some cushion on you and be in that area where you want to throw the ball was okay. Well, you know what? Spacing fits well with this, and we're running those same initial stems off of it, but we're snapping things down, and now we're throwing the ball in front of them when they want to play loose. So we had those built-in compliments. Yeah. That's right. how, how do you go about finding those, installing those, finding that fit for, you know, this really works well with – with this base concept. Yeah, and balance in the passing game, you're right on the money with that. One thing that I that I like to do, you know, let's let's take three by one passing game. One exercise that I like to do in the offseason, in fact I just did it last week, is I try to take however many three man concepts that you carry. You know, maybe you carry I we carry anywhere between six and eight concepts, you know, three receivers in a pattern together. Like you mentioned with the four verts and and spacing, I like to to draw all of our pass game concepts on the board at once, and making sure that we're attacking all different layers of the layers of the coverage. And so, if we draw certain plays up, and there's one area on the field that has no lines going through it, 
we're probably not attacking the defense the right That's way. A good point. It's a great exercise. Yeah. I, I always like it. It gives me a peace of mind knowing that no matter what coverages we see, you know, we, we can attack different areas on the field. It's something quick and easy to do, but it's a neat exercise just to know that, you know, if, if all your plays are attacking the flat, how many, how many different ways do you need to be able to throw the ball in one area? You know, you got, you got to be able to hit them all. So Yeah, no, I, I agree. That overlay, I think, is really important because you want a package of plays that attacks across the entire defense. It attacks essentially every gap on the run. Mm -hmm. That attacks every intermediate, every short, every deep. Somehow, you want to see yeah. something going in the package, something going to that area. When you don't, that now with a coordinator who studies you well, He's saying our help can come from here because they never attack here. No doubt. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to do things in yeah. football, but it's harder, I think, to say no and having the discipline to say we're good when you when you have a new scheme than it is to it's easy to, to love everything you see, but having the discipline to know what fits your fits your identity, I think that's that's where the that's where the magic is. Yeah. You have to have those things because I, I like when people bring ideas back and, and that could be at this time of the year that could be during you know the game week when everybody's breaking things down and your your coaches find hey look at I think this is an, mm -hmm. a weakness we can exploit and it usually starts with here's an idea how we could do it and I always you know I got to the point early on I'd get excited about this and I learned by doing that while that idea might seem good on a Sunday or a Monday Especially when I'm the play caller, <laughs> I probably when do you can't. Practice it? Yeah, yeah, I can't get it. Even if it practices and looks well, it's not in my mindset because it's not who we are. It's, it's not, not what part we of what do. you do. Yeah, it's absolutely. a little bit different. So I've, I'd always tell them like, take that. Here's the process. I want you to have ideas, but because I probably will never call it because it doesn't fit. Figure out what we have that fits, and I think that's a good process. Because you you never want to shut down. You say no too many times, you shut down that innovation. Yeah, you, you shut you down your people's. Definitely safety. want to have. You want to foster an open communication within your staff. But like you said, as a coach, I love new ideas being brought to the table. As a coach, I think you just got to follow your instinct on whether or not you can get that done or not. You know, it's one thing to to draw it on a board on Sunday night late you know we've all been in those those meeting rooms late into the hours on Sunday night always seems like a good idea and Monday yeah <laughs> seems like a great idea and then you you know wake up Monday morning it's like how am I going to get the players by Saturday to be able to execute this at a high level and sometimes you can or you you might need to there's also a different I, I think there's a difference between need, needing something and wanting something yeah you know if you need something new to try to beat your opponent on Saturday then you'll do what you have to do to put it in. If it's just something extra, but you know, maybe you don't need it. If you can't practice it, pro probably probably yeah. isn't worth it. Yeah, I had Andy Kotelnicki while he was at Buffalo. Sat down with him here at this clinic a few years ago, and he he gave a great clinic talk on making football finite. That you know, I apologize for the. The noise in the background, that's what happens when you're at a clinic here, but um, being able to make the game finite and really goes to 
how many reps do you have in practice? Yeah. You, you, I've, I became so fanatical about reps. You can't waste reps. Yep. So you really got to be sure on Sunday or Monday, rather than having a hunch, like we are going to take things away from our, our, our reps if we put it into this. You really want to make sure that early on. Yeah, I think the feel of a coach of knowing, and you can relate to this, trying to know when enough reps is enough. Have we run this play enough to be good at it on Saturday? And over time, you know, as you add Your add new things, cumulative like, effect. Yeah, perhaps, yeah, right. Like, yeah. Do do we need to run this? We've been running this play since day one of preseason yeah. camp. Do we need to run it five times this week by the end of the season? Three times? Two? Like, how many times can we get a, get away with repping it and still and still execute it in the game? It's uh, there's. I don't think there's any definitive way to do that. I think that that's part of that's part of coaching it's the and art of it. why we get paid to get yeah. paid to do what we do. <laughs> you know, right. exactly. Well, a lot of decisions along the way. And Sorry, before <laughs> before we get too much here coming through our mics, I really appreciate you sitting down with me again, seeing you here at this clinic clinic again, and, and the success that you guys have had at Cortland. It's been fun to watch. So great to catch up with you. Look forward to talking to you more in the future. And best of luck to you and the Dragons in 2023. Thanks, Thanks, Keith. Thanks for what you do for the coaching community. Much appreciated.